You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the opposite, aka right side position on this episode. I've noticed that in the past, we've talked about left side, middles, we've talked about liberos, setters, but we haven't really talked about the opposite position. And uh, this position is very important. There's certain things that as coaches, uh, we need to know. So this is an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 146 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. And uh, to my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh. I'm the host of the podcast. And to my regular listeners, as always, you know how much I appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode where the goal is to deliver value tangible step-by-step things you can take back to your gym and apply right away and I hope to be able to do that today now it's funny uh, I was I've been looking back at some past episodes this week and I noticed that I haven't really talked about the opposite right side attacker yet I mean I'm I we've done a lot of deep dives into the left side position the setter position middle libero etc but we've never really talked too much about the right side attacker which is it which is crazy because generally speaking The opposite is the highest converter on your team. They're the ones responsible for scoring majority of the team's points. So it's it's a pretty important position to talk about. And I think the reason we haven't talked about it too much is because most of the skill technical stuff you have to worry about is more so for the other positions. Not to say that you don't have to do it for the opposite position, but it's it's a little bit different. So let's um you know let let's just I'll, I'll preface this. Uh, podcast episode by saying if if you if you want to learn more about the opposite position we're going to talk about it if you want to know maybe you have a team and you're trying to figure out who should play the opposite position you know we're going to talk about that and we'll kind of we'll, we'll we'll break it down a little bit this is not so much of a technical episode than a more tactical one I guess because you know in terms of technical that's that's you listen to any any episode in terms of you know how to swing how to block how to you know how to play defense how to dig that like, this is not more of a technical one this is more of okay well what is the opposite supposed to be able to do you know and how do we, how we how do we na- do we enable them to do this so let's let's talk about the, the 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 i guess the main purpose of an opposite hitter and that is their job is to score like your opposite their job is to score and to score at a high level that's what they're there for <clears throat> so you might ask well how do i pick my opposite hitter how does that work so an activity that I do with um, with our DVA members is, and this is something that I encourage you guys to do too, is anytime you're trying to figure out where you pl- where you put players into positions, create a chart, okay? And in this chart, you're going to have at the very top, okay? So in, in the first column, you're going to have passing. In the second column, you're going to have attacking, okay? This is really simple. And then I want you to list in order your best passer. So in order, your best passers rather. So your number one best passer, number two, number three, number four, number five, all the way down. Then in the attacking column, you're going to list your best attacker. 
and you're gonna go one, two, three, four, five, all the way down. So you list your best passer, your best attacker. And then what you're gonna do is, is you're gonna look to see who your best attacker is that is not one of your best passers. So if you have someone that's number one in passing and number one in attacking, that's gonna be more than likely your left side because you your left side is the combination of your best passer and best attacker. Your opposite is your best attacker who is not necessarily your best passer. So a little bit of a different there because you, you don't want your better passers being your opposite. You want your better passers passing. But your, your, uh, your opposite still, their job is to score the ball. So that's what they have to do, okay? All right, so now that we've decided who, and, and, and mind you, with the other positions, like setting doesn't apply to this because your setter is your, is your best set of hands, period. We don't care how good they can pass and swing. We want your best set of hands as your setter, unless you're in a, unless you're in a very interesting situation where you have a lot of talent on your team and you may have to, what, and what if your setter is your best attacker and your best passer? And, you know, normally you might have a situation where you, you coach a younger age group and that one player is the best at everything. Then you might have to, you know, filter down a little more than this, but this is generally, that's how you, that's how you separate them. All right. Normally too, your opposite, your opposite is generally, you know, someone that can jump, you know, one of your better jumpers on your team. Uh, one, one of your players that is contacting the ball at, at the highest point relative to the other players on the team. Cause again, remember they, they are the ones that have to score the ball. So generally they can do this at the higher level, your opposites, you're going to be, you're going to find the opposites are, you know, more of the taller players on your team besides the middles, but they're very tall. They jump really high. They, you know, they, um, they, they, they score at a high level and it's interesting. That's why you see a lot of times, sometimes, um, really good middles end up transitioning to opposite because they have the ability to hit the ball hard. They're tall, they jump high, and they can convert to that position. You've seen it quite a bit. I've seen it quite a bit, um, at, least, at least on the men's side. Okay, so now that we've decided, you know, what, who, or rather who our opposite will be, let's talk about what they can do as, uh, as an attacker. Okay, now there's a bunch of things they can do as an attacker. So we're gonna put them at front row. Now, one thing you have to, de to uh, decide is, what, what is their angle of approach gonna be? And this is going to be dependent on age group. Generally speaking, the way that I teach angle of approach is I want my opposites one step outside the line. So imagine your, your sideline. They're going to be one step outside the sideline, and they're going to come in on the 6-5 seam. So that means they're approaching towards position 6 and position 5, in between position 6 and 5. That is their angle of approach. That is generally what we like to see. Now, is that always? Not always. And the, but the reason we want them to approach that way is because they can hit all three shots. And all three shots in our game is line, cross, and sharp cross. Those are the three shots, line, sharp, and sharp cross. Now here's the thing. If you have a player on your team who cannot hit the sharp cross, and the sharp cross, we're talking about like attack line. They're swinging really sharp across their body and they're they're going between attack line area one area that, that, that kind of area attack line area one that's sharp cross if you have a player who cannot hit that shot then there's no reason for them to come in outside the sideline because they can't hit that shot so in that case you want them to come in right on the line or even a little bit inside the line could be fine too so your angle of approach changes depending on what your what your player can do what your opposite player can do Okay, so determining this angle of approach is really important, and I and I, I say a lot of a lot of times every athlete's different. 
Uh, we've, we've found, you know, I've, I've gone to this later on in my career of testing athletes to see what angle or what angle of approach that they like to come in on. And I'll, I'll test them. We'll throw, we'll throw them like, you know, you know, five balls, each five balls, like 15 balls in total. I, w- I want them to hit five balls line, five balls cross, five balls sharp cross. And let's see what they can do with that. You know, we had a, we had an opposite hitter who r- was really, really good at hitting all three shots. But the only way that this player could hit all three shots is if they came in on the line. Yeah, the way that he jumped, just it, it's just the way his body was for some reason. Going in on the outside, like one step outside the line, was was not conducive to his ability to score at a high level for all three shots. So we had him come in right on the line, and it worked for him. So really, really test your athletes to see what they can do, and that will that will also help. Another thing that you might want to write down as well is is whether they're right-handed or left-handed. This can, this can pay dividends because uh, a left-handed player will have a much easier time to swing from the right side than they would from the left side. And the reason for that is because they're already open to the setter. So if you think about it, if you're a right-handed player and you're getting ready to swing on the opposite, the right side of the court, and you're getting ready to jump, your last two steps, the, your, the center of your body is facing out of bounds. It's facing the coach, if you think about it. But if you're a lefty, center of your body's face in the setter. So you're already open to your setter, which will, which will help make make your shots a lot easier. So another thing to think about, lefty or righty, that could also play a factor in their ability to swing at a high level, okay? Now that we, we've understood the angle of approach we're coming in on, we understand, you know, basically how to determine who your right side's gonna be. The next thing you gotta think about is, what type of set is this right side gonna get? And this could this could differ and a lot different depending on the level of your team, depending on the skill set of your setter, depending on the skill set of your attacker, this could change. The very, very basic type of right side ball is a high ball. And a high ball is very simple. High ball to the right side, nice and high. Set, uh, the, the attacker has all the time in the world to wait for it, gauge and attack it at its apex. Very, very simple. Uh, you may, as, as you know, as you get more advanced you may want to try a faster tempo ball you may hear the second step tempo or anything like that basically um, as soon as when the setter releases your attacker is already in their approach they're they've already taken their first step into their approach when the setter releases and then it's one two to the ball and attack the higher level you're going to find that is more prominent is that type of faster type of right side ball and it's really good too because generally if you're in system you're going to have a one-on-one situation. It's going to be really tough for the middle because you got to remember too, with the right side, the distance from the right side to the setter is a lot shorter than the distance from the setter to the left side. It's a lot shorter. So if you're in system and your middle blocker is you know, in the middle of the net, then all of a sudden, if that ball is faster, you're guaranteed a one-on-one. And in many cases, it might even be tough for the blockers to stop. It's very, very tough. So think things like that, you know, be aware of. All right, so we have the high ball offense. We have the faster tempo type offense. The other thing your right side blocker or right side attacker has to be able to do is see the block. And this is something that we have to train our right side attackers to do. And it actually starts before the blockers even jump. It starts with the blocker's IDP. So as a right side attacker, okay, this, this, this is probably even more important than the left side attack. As the right side attacker, you want to see what type of blocking scheme or blocking system that the other team is doing. So for example, 
if they're running a bunch block, meaning the blocker that's responsible for the right side attacker is pinched in, maybe they're pinched in to help with the middle attack, maybe they're pinched in to, who knows, do whatever, they have they could be aware of that. Because if that middle, if that, that attacker, okay, sorry, not that, the, the blocker, if the right side blocker is pinched in the court at all, like relative, well, even pinched in closer to the, closer to the middle, and you're running a faster type offense to the right side, then what shot is almost always going to be open for you? And if you said line, you're absolutely right. Line is, an, is a shot that will absolutely be open to you. Okay, so that's that's one. The second thing you have to also know is the right side attacker, you want to know who your blocker is. Like when you're playing against them, your job is to score. And if you're in system, you're probably going to have a one-on-one. So you want to make sure that you if you don't if you don't have film on your blocker, that's okay. Take the first 5 to 10 points to really get get a chance to know that blocker. See their tendencies, see what they're really good at, what they're bad at. Maybe you notice that they're their right hand does not get to close the block as fast as it needs to. Then you know, maybe cross might be an option. Maybe they can't. They they're not closing the the antenna. They're not closing the pin properly. They're not getting all over the pin. Maybe they're drifting. Maybe they're not sealing the net. Whatever the case is, get to know your blocker. See if you can identify any weaknesses. See if they're ball watching. Look at their well. You might have to look at their eyes while you're swinging, but maybe have a coach. Look at their eyes and see if they're a ball watching versus actually focused on the hitter. You know, there's a lot of tenant. Look, are they shuffling or are they actually doing any kind of proper footwork to get out? All of this information can help you be a better attacker because we talked about this. The job of an opposite is to score. That's the job of an opposite. They have to score. And we need to be able to use the information to our advantage to help us score or help your opposite score. And by studying the blocker, that will help you as well, okay? I'm gonna take it a little step further. Knowing what the backcourt defense is doing, that will help as well. Does your libero start a little further up? Then you'll know you have the backcourt kind of wide open if you can tip backcourt, all right? Understanding these things, really, really, really important as well. So uh, knowing the backcourt, seeing if you can manipulate anything. Now, the backcourt is your secondary, I mean, the backcourt isn't as isn't as important as the frontcourt. The frontcourt, without a doubt, is more important. But you know, just understanding that now this is high level stuff. So if you're teaching, if you're coaching a 13U team, don't worry about this. Okay, 13U team just needs to focus on angle of approach, ball contact, and score. And when you get to the higher level, where we can start seeing the court a little bit better, these are some things that we got to start seeing. Okay, and understanding this is important too. All right, so we talked about looking at the frontcourt block, knowing your matchup seeing what the blocking scheme is, knowing who you're responsible for. Um, we talked about the fact that you can look at the backcourt. We talked about the angle of approach. Now let's talk about the fact that, okay, we talked about three different shots. So we have line, cross, and sharp cross. Your right side attacker also has to have the ability to do a couple more things. Swipe. Swiping is something that they have to be able to do because sometimes you may not always get the best set. It'd be great if you do, but they might not always get it. So their ability to swipe off the block and out is important. Now, again, this is not a technical episode. This is a tactical episode. So swiping without getting too technical is basically pushing off the blocker's hands and out. out. It's called a block out. Pushing off the blocker's hands and out. That's a swipe. And it's important that your hand is fully extended on contact when you're doing this and you and you have momentum into that block and you're pushing out. Remember, simultaneous contact is not a lift. So if you're touching the ball and the blocker is touching the ball at the same time, you can push 
You can even hold the ball. Yeah, you can hold the ball against the blocker's hand and then push it off their hands and out. Okay, that's not a violation. It's it's actually it's it's what you it's what you should do when we're swiping, we're pushing off the blocker's hand. Okay. Another thing that might be an option too is recycling. You you might have heard me talk about recycling on past episodes. All this means is we don't get a good set. Instead of you know pounding it into the block and hope hoping for a, a point, we hit the ball at sixty percent off the top of the blocker's hands, so it comes back on our side of the court, so we can execute another type of offense out of it. It gives us a second chance, and and, and that that's that's high level ball. Being patient, patience is really really important to make sure you have that. So, understanding that you know we have different shots we can do. Um, you could also roll and tip. Okay, tipping and rolling can be, and this this really really helps when you know the defense and you know the blockers as well. Because if you know that that a backcourt defender is weak or going to be late, tipping and rolling can be great. And when in doubt, you know, tip or roll into six or into short six, like the pot by the attack line. That's always a great place to go when in doubt. But again, understanding this this is it comes back to knowing the block, knowing the defense, and knowing when to do these things, and that will help you um you know convert a lot higher okay uh the other the other type of offense is hitting off the blockers hands um that you might you probably heard me talk about this all the time it's one of my favorite shots hitting off the blockers hands and out now again if you're a 13 you coach this might not be an option in case your blockers aren't getting above the net but if you're if you're playing in a league where blockers are getting up above the net to block a ball and you definitely want to learn and teach your players how to hit off the hands because that's a really really good shot as well going off hands okay all right, so we talked a little bit about um, individual type, you know, blockers' hands, um, hitting the seam, hitting the right shot. Uh, oh, actually, no, I lied. We, we didn't talk about hitting seam. So as, as an opposite, knowing your front court, knowing your back court, also knowing where to swing when given what the block gives you. So uh, we, I'll give you an example. If the middle blocker is late and the, the pin blocker has came out and taking away the line, then you're going to swing cross. Now I know that's that goes without saying, but understanding how to hit seams and seams mean spaces in between the block, really important that your players can see that. Okay. And they see that with their peripherals. They don't just focus on the blocker and then go back to the ball. They see it with their peripherals. So one thing you have to train your right sides to do is to make sure that they are seeing the ball and they're seeing the block and they don't have to see exactly like perfect perfect positioning because when you look at your peripherals you you just see a body you don't necessarily see you know uh you don't see the hand like like, like a distinct image of the hands you kind of see the body you kind of see the hands but you don't you don't you see a picture perfect but you don't need to you just need to see what they're what they're throwing up there and that's when you can shoot you know hit the gaps that are in the block okay um let's talk about a couple other things with the right side you could also run a couple different uh, combo, uh, you can call them combo plays or different routes if you want to call it that. Uh, my favorite is the X. The X is my favorite route to run with opposites. I absolutely love it. So what the X is, is your middle blocker goes up for a quick attack, aka 51, and the setter sets the ball right over the middle attacker, and the right side comes all the way around and hits the ball to the left of your middle attacker it's called an x if you're not if you're not familiar with it you can literally youtube volleyball x and you'll see what i'm talking about it is a really cool play always have it in your back pocket to 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 run out of a timeout or out of something where you know you might have to 
you know, I might have to get creative, but it's a fantastic play. It frees up the one-on-one or one-on-nothing in many cases, and the right sides love to hit this ball. It's a fun ball to hit. So just to recap, the middle goes in for a quick attack, AK-51. The setter sets the ball over the middle, so the middle's not actually getting the ball, but the middle's still jumping, and the right side's already approaching to swing right to the left of the middle. And if you think about it, they're, they're creating an X. Like the middle's going into the setter, the right side's coming behind the middle, so they're forming somewhat of an X, okay? Another thing you can do with the right side attack is you can come in for any for like a, a 71 or 81. We call them a right side quick. So basically, it's like a, it's the same thing as a middle attack, like a middle quick, except with the right side, and it's behind the setter. So the, your middle can go in for a 51, right side's there for a 61 or 71, or you could run your middle on a 30, and your right side can come in on a fastball there too. Either way, uh, it's another option that you might be able to think about for your right side attacker. Okay? All right. So we've talked a lot about attacking. But, and the reason I spent this much time talking about attacking is because it's, it's, we're not even done yet, by the way, but it, it's really important for your right side to be able to attack. Okay, let's talk about back row, for example. Your right side, your, your opposite, has to be able to swing backcourt as well. That is part of their job. They have to be an effective backcourt because here's the thing. When your setter's front row, now you only have two front row attackers. You have your middle and you have your left side. And then you have a pipe ball out of the backcourt but we're only jamming two thirds of the court. That offense is only coming from two, th- two, thirds, of th- two thirds of the court. We need offense coming from the, th- the all three, like all three, I, I, sorry, I ah, can't speak properly right now. We need offense coming from all different angles on the court, including behind the setter. And, and not just when the setter is, front, uh, is uh, back row, we need offense when the setter is front row as well. So having an opposite, that can swing back row is important. And there's two types of shots we can swing back row. One is called a C ball and one is called a D ball. A C ball is a backcourt attack out of the right side that is inside the court. So you're still inside the court running a backcourt attack behind, beyond the attack line. A D ball is a backcourt attack that the right side hits outside the sideline of the court. So they're approaching for a D ball, they're approaching outside the court that's, but they're backcourt, but outside the court. So, uh, so to the right of the sideline. A C ball, they are approaching inside the court. Now, what you choose to do is entirely up to you. Uh, I personally run a C ball on our team, but you can run a D ball as well. Uh, it, it, it honestly, it, it's entirely up to you. Um, they're both. Both of them are really good. Uh, I know UCLA runs a D ball, and they they have really they, they run it really well. And you can do either or. But the key is is making sure you have a consistent C ball and a consistent or a consistent D ball, whatever you decide to run. Okay. One other thing I want to talk about when it comes to attacking is timing. Okay. Now this is a little, now this is a little more technical, but I feel like I have to bring it. I have to mention it because, you know, timing is so important, especially when you, when you talk about these backcourt attacks, when you're coaching your opposite player, make sure that they're, they're hitting the ball not on the way down. And you're gonna and, and the only way to do that is you, have, you really have to slow it down. You have to film them and slow it down and see. Because sometimes because the distance is different than a left side attack, sometimes you may find that um, right side attackers are always early. They're always early. And when they're early, they're hitting the ball on the way down. Sometimes they're hanging in the air. Sometimes they're just a little early and then they're contacting the ball on the way down. This is the one of the most common timing issues for right sides, opposite hitters, because the distance is so short. So make sure they're hitting the ball at their apex and not on the way down 
And this is going to be done while filming them and slowing them down to see when they start their de- when they start descending, if they've if you've made sure they've hit the ball before that. Okay, so hitting at their apex and not on the way down is one of the most common mistakes. Um, or hitting on the way down is one of the most common mistakes for opposite hitters. So just be aware of that. Okay, so we spent the last like twenty something minutes talking about attacking. We haven't talked about the three other areas that the right side or opposite hitter is responsible for. Now, again, this is more of a tactical episode, not a technical episode, so I won't get into the technical things because I've talked about this on other episodes. Let's talk about blocking. So another big responsibility for the, the opposite is to block, and they're not just blocking anyone. They're blocking the other team's left sides, and their other team's left sides are, you know, we're talking about really good attackers as well. So their job is to block the left side, and very, very similar to what I mentioned earlier about you know, understanding who they're blocking, like who they're like who's blocking them rather, they need to really understand who is swinging against them. So as a, you know, as a blocker, as an opposite hitter, as a blocker, you got to understand who you're playing against. What are the tendencies that attacker likes to do? Do they like to run inside balls? Do they like to run outside balls? Do they, do they like specific types of shots? If you're in a one-on-one situation, what, what should you take away? Should you take away a line or should you take away a cross? These are questions that every opposite or every blocker rather should know because you're going to have situations where there's one-on-ones and what are you going to do for the, what, what, is, what is the best tactical outcome? Is blocking cross, is blocking a line? Maybe you block both sides, like you put your hand, you, you spread your hands in the air, like kind of like a V. What, what are you going to do? So these are things you got to talk to your, uh, well, these are things your blockers need to understand and, and know based on film and based on who they're playing against. So blocking. And you know, there's a lot. And this is we're not going to talk about blocking systems and strategies here because I did a whole episode on that. But you know, what type of block are they going? Are they going to be shuffling? Are they going to be taking two steps? Normally, right side opposite blockers don't have to take more than two steps. You just you're already there. I would have them, you know, whatever your inside foot is, make that already loaded, and then it's just one, two, all the way up, so that they can you know have a good block on the left side. That's generally what you, what, you, what, what, what what that's pretty much all you ask for. Okay, so that's that's blocking. Okay, blocking on the right side. Now, in terms of hands, man, I say I say I'm not going to do technical, and all I do is talk technical stuff. It's because it's so hard. I'm such a technical coach; it's really really hard not to uh, not to be technical. Uh, the lucky, I will take a couple more things. Make sure the make sure your blocker's hands are down, not up, um, because you want to have fast hands to get up to get to that point. Uh, but you don't want your hands kind of like you know we used to, we we are we used to teach blockers IDPs have your hands at like 90 degrees, like your elbow your elbow to shoulder is 90 degrees, but they can have their hands a little more down because it, you, you can move faster with your hands down than your hands up. So have your hands down by your waist, have them do the footwork, and then they can bring their hands up and seal and so forth, okay? So that's blocking, all right? Um, defense and serve are the, are the last two things, and you know, serving I'm not gonna talk about. Just be aware that every player who serves, their job is to, is to try to score or at least take them out of system. So we won't talk about serving, but just be aware that obviously serving is something else. Defense, now, the reason this is one of the later ones we talk about is because right side defense, yes, it's important, don't get me wrong, but right side defense is limited to area one, so you're in position one. And this is going to be completely dependent on you. Sometimes coaches will have their right side pretty much stand by the attack line. 
And because most of the balls go to left side. And if they're by the attack line, their job is just to get tips. All coaches want to do is their right sides are just responsible for taking tips. And that's it. You can have your right side drop a little further back, depending on, you know, where you want them. But in terms of being tactical here, it, it honestly depends on you. Remember, if there's a seam in the block, they're going to be stepping into that seam. If there's, if it's a sealed block, they're going to be covering the tip, etc. So where you want them to start is up to you. There's no right or wrong answer for this one. What I will say, though, is the secondary setter. Now, this is something that I think is important to note. Right side players should not be secondary setters because now, granted, no, let me, okay, let me just, let me, let me go back by saying that. Right side players should not be secondary setters because if they are, then you're losing an attack on one third of the court. This is why we want our liberos to be secondary setters because generally speaking, your libero has very good ball control or else they wouldn't be liberos. And then you still have your opposite hitter and your left side hitter that can be attackers for you, which is why you don't want your opposite taking that secondary ball. Now, if you don't have a libero, then I would, I would say the player in position six, they're the ones that should be the, the, the secondary setter because then they're coming and they can set the ball and then you can have an out-of-system hit. The very, very last person is your middle. Your middle can also be a secondary setter because then you can go left side or you can go opposite. But your opposite should not be because that's the that's like, again, you're, you're forcing the one side of the court. Your opposite's not going to be able to set your middle. They're only going to be able to set one position, which is left side. And if I know that the opposite is getting that secondary ball, I'm telling every single one of my blockers to go to the left side because I know uh, with 100% certainty that ball is going to go to the left side. So if you're playing at a higher level and your opposite is taking that second ball, then it's pretty much only going to one place. It's going to go left side. Now, is that a guaranteed? No, but that's pretty, pretty much high probability is going there. If it's going to your middle or you're going to, your, or you're going to player in position six or player in position five, well, we don't know. It could go either way. So be mindful of that. Okay. All right. Let's just recap here really quickly what I've talked about so far. The, the right side attacker, what's their job? Their job is to score. Okay, their job is to score. It's the primary responsibility of a right side, an opposite attacker. How do you pick your opposite? Remember, we drew that chart. And the opposite is the player who, who is your best attacker, but is not necessarily your best passer. We talked about the angle of approach, making sure you, you determine if it's going to be on the line or outside the line, depending on the angles that they can hit, such as sharp cross, cross, uh, as well as line. We talked about knowing their blocker as well as knowing the backcourt defense, depending on what level you're at on your team. We talked about the different types of sets you can run. So high ball, you can run a little high ball set. You can run a faster tempo set. We also talked about different kind of combo plays you can run, like the X for the right side or a back quick for the right side. Talked about the lefty versus righty. Okay, If you have a lefty, it's a little bit more easier for them to swing out of the right side because they're already open to the setter. Um, we talked about the front court versus back court. Okay, so C ball, D ball, having the opposite be able to hit those shots, really important. We talked about timing, making sure the number one mistake we see with opposite hitters is that they're always early and therefore they're hitting under the ball, meaning they're hitting the ball on the way down. And we don't want that. We want that to be, we want them to be hitting the ball at the apex, not on the way down. Okay. We talked the fact that, uh, blocking the left side attack is their big responsibility. Okay, 
making sure that you understand they got to do that. And again, knowing that knowing the attacker helps, making sure they understand who the attacker is and tendencies also help with this. And then we talked about defense, where you want to set your player up on defense back row as well as we didn't talk about serving, but just something to, something to note. Okay. Now inside DVA, um, for, for my DVA members, I do have a course on the right side. Uh, now it's it's a very basic course. I'm actually going to be updating the course uh, in the next little bit to give you more you know a more detail oriented approach to it. Um, but just to let you know, it, it is there. Now if you if you aren't a DVA member and you'd like to be, head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com, digitalvolleyballacademy.com, and get registered or at least get find out more information. And if you don't know what it is, um, DVA is my signature mentorship program for coaches where I get a chance to work with coaches from all around the world, basically bringing them into my world by providing mentorship, giving them behind the scenes access to our gym, giving them all the courses that they would like on all the positions in our game and really wholeheartedly and providing them with that one-on-one -on -one support. We jump on Zoom twice a month to do live training and Q&A and it's an amazing community of coaches who are seeing amazing results and I absolutely... I'm so proud and I love DVA. So if you want to be a part of that, head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and you get more information. All right, that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training and instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBtraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.